Welcome to CarePod, a safe place to educate, inspire, and renew the caregiver. Listen in with our host, Dr. Kibley Bell, as she interviews different experts along the caregiving journey. So I am here with Paula Kennedy Anderson. She's a certified life coach. She's a social worker. She's written a beautiful book called Walk Into Your New. And I'm so honored to have you with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here as well. Looking forward to our talk. Yes. So tell me, tell me about your book. I've read it. Tell us your why. I'm always very interested with guests on how they arrive to where they are um, at certain transitions in their life. Okay, so my book is called Walk Into Your New. And the title came from just, you know, people kept saying, oh, you'll get to a new normal. You'll get to a new normal. I said, no, it'll be new, but it won't be normal. Um, And so I started writing the book after the death of my husband of 33 years. So that in itself was just like, okay, now what? Now what am I supposed to do? And my husband had been ill. So he'd been ill for about five years with uh, prostate cancer, you know, going through the process of, you know, diagnosis, treatment, you know, good reports, bad reports, you know, really just the whole process. And um, after his death, as I started to think about, okay, what am I going to do with myself? I'm going to write a book. This was not the book I was thinking about writing. I was going to do a mother-daughter book, but that wasn't what happened. I ended up writing a book about walking into your new, uh, my experiences as a widow, the journey, the the crazy things that you do and say, or the crazy things that people say and do to you. Um, And then the, the business part, the things that you have to put in order, the conversations that you need to have with your loved ones. Um, you know, life and death, we all have to deal with it. But for some reason, we don't want to talk about it. And so the book, you know, once I deal with my experiences, is really, you know, talk about it, talk with your loved ones, you know, because we're all if you're human, this is this is how life goes, you're born. And one day, we're going to die. We don't know that day, but we should be prepared, prepare, preparing and preparing our loved ones for that day. It's, it's really, there's so much to unpack in what you said there in terms of when you, I hear so many patients that say, you know, they're planning for retirement, they have so many plans for life together. And then, you know, life happens. Mm -hmm. And so how to prepare for that time, um, but also be excited about a new chapter as well. So in your case, here you're now with a man for 33 years um, that is, is dealt a, a diagnosis. So take us, take us through yeah. that. Well, of course, as, women of, as a woman of faith, my husband was an elder, a deaconess. As people of faith, of course, our first response was, we're going to pray. You know, God's going to heal. We're going to believe God for deliverance. And so we prayed. And um you know, and you go through that and you believe God and then you have to kind of, okay, well, Lord, what, what's going on here? Things are shifting and they're not shifting in the direction. So remain a person of faith, still love God 
but deal with what's presented. You know, um, we didn't stop going to the doctor. You know, we, we, we did the medical thing. We did the spiritual thing. We did the changing of, we did all of it. And so then at some point you just have to say, well, okay, God is sovereign. And it looks like he's made some decision, you know? So how do we walk in that? You know, and it's challenging because anybody that you talk to, everyone, everyone's hopeful. Everyone wants you to be hopeful. Everyone wants you to be, you know, they don't want you to tell them what's really going on. They want you to tell them a fantasy, you know, the dream. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of have to deal with that. And and even the feeling that maybe you're not being faithful or you're not acting in faith. So those are challenges. You know, you either stop talking to people or you tell them the truth. And you just trust God for the rest. Um, so it, it was difficult. And of course, we have three children. They're adults, but they're young adults. They're in the 30s. My daughter's in her 20s, late 20s. And so, you know, dealing with all of that, you know, being supportive of one another. Um, when my husband came home, he came home on hospice. We, you know, he's coming home on hospice. And we were all preparing for how are we as a family going to do it. How are we going to support it? How are we going to be here, you know, for that round the clock for that care? And, um, you know, so that was, that was the, that was kind of what happened with us. That was the struggle of it, the, the strength and the struggle of it, I should say. Absolutely. So to people that say, you know, well, where is God in this? You know, you know, that struggle with asking the why, I think there was a, passage I want to read that struck me so literally your last page she says we pray but we do not know how God will answer we cry out for healing and deliverance we trust that God does not want us to suffer we have the sweet assurance of life beyond the grave heaven with no more death sorrow pain or tears the truth is he did answer to paraphrase that last sentence. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. I found that to be so profound uh, from someone who's lost someone so close, you know, to her. um, And then now to be the matriarch of your family and to walk into what you are now trying to establish as your new, I think is, is just so amazing. What, What do you say to caregivers that are facing you know, a, a dim path now or challenging circumstances that are, you know, trying not to ask God why? Well, I I think it's human to ask God why, you know, if you believe in God, you believe in prayer, you've been having conversation with God. For me, it feels like all my life. So of course, why, why me, why my husband, why this good man, you know, why? And you think all about all the people that are out here evil, doing evil in the world, and they're living really long and not suffering. But, um, but I also have to say, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, you, you know that God is God. And, you, you know, he's going to do what is his will to do. Um, when I thought of, when I think about my husband, when my husband came home and home on hospice, and you know that Short of God coming into the room with all glory, power, and might, this is not getting better. This is going to, you know, you're preparing yourself for what is going to happen later. 
and the fact that he's at his highest right now and it's only going to to go lower. Um, when I think about my husband, he came home, we were preparing for hospice thinking, we didn't know, we didn't know how long. Um, it was not even a week, you know, after all of that preparation. And I think, you know, surprising to us that it was not even a week. But then when I thought about God and I thought, how merciful, you know, because we had, you know, heard all the, all the gory things, all the horrible, you know, you know, all of the things, all of the things about, you know, if end of if life, the crisis, preparation. End of life yeah. preparation, um, you know, when you come home on hospice, you're not going to call 911 and have them come and, you know, so all of that. So you have all of that in your head and you're thinking, oh God, well, I have the strength to do these things that are expected when a person really comes home on hospice. Do I have the strength? Do I have, you know, will we have it? Will we have what we need? And when I think about my husband and how he kind of just slipped away in his sleep, checked on him at three in the morning, he was fine, breathing here, you know, at six, he was gone. Just that quiet, you know, just that quiet, just slept right on away. Um, and it, it was hard, of course, but we were all here. We were here the day before we were having our conversations. We were in the room. He knew we were there. Um, and he was still, you know, talking, you know, still very verbal, still very cracking jokes and lucid and, you know, talking to us about, you know, uh, my son tells the story at one point he had to help. He was helping my husband was to move in the bed. My husband, my sons were helping to move my husband in the bed and his sense of humor was like, look, just forget whatever you see. Just, just do what you gotta do. And my, so I was like, what's the last thing I'm thinking about trying to you know, get my dad up in the bed. But I mean, so even like the day before he was still very much himself, which was not some, you know, we were preparing for a time when maybe he wouldn't be. So even in that, I just that had was to a see gift the as mercy well. of God, the mercy yeah. of God, the yeah. mercy of God. And for my husband, who was really strong man, you know, uh, went to the gym, lifting weights, you know, very, very masculine kind of guy. Um, one of the things my, my daughter talked about, she says, you know, it was hard to feel to see dad without that strength. If I think about my husband, too, when I asked God why, and I think I wrote about this in the book, my husband had a heart attack at 49. He died at 63. But at 49, um, he had a heart attack that nobody understood why. You know, he was the guy that went to the gym, ran in the park, you know, by himself, all kinds of, you know, very athletic. And uh, the doctors would say, you know, if he had this, if this had happened in the park, he would have died because... He would have been there by himself. He had a heart attack here at home. I was here. Um, we went to the hospital. He was still walking, you know, but he just wasn't himself. We went, we got to the hospital and, and they did the test and they said, you know, yeah, you've had a heart attack. And while they were saying that he was getting ready to have another one, um, his, heart function, his heart function was like five, his EF, his ejection fraction wow. was like a and they were referring us to the heart transplant clinic. So, okay, so at 49. And so I thought about, as we ask God for more time, ask God for more life, ask God for more, the Lord kind of gave me that. Like, 
that was the more that maybe at 49, he was supposed to go and that we got all of those extra years, all of those years that my children grew up, you know, uh, they mm-hmm. got to spend more time. We got to, you know, our life would have been drastically different had my husband died at 49. My children were still in school, you know, so some in elementary school. Mm-hmm. My daughter was in elementary school. So mm-hmm. when you look at that, you say, well, you know, God has answered all the way. And my husband he didn't have to have the heart transplant. He didn't, he had a defibrillator, but it never, it was never activated. So he had it for all of those years and they would just test it and say, well, okay. And his heart fracture, his heart function by, by the time of his death was normal. So God had healed. How about it? He had done work. He had done a work. Had restored. So when you, when you, when I looked at all of those things, I had to say, well, okay, God. to be a part of our growing impactful caregiving community sign up at impactfulcaregiving.com okay maybe maybe that was my aha that was my okay so now we have to deal with this you know mm-hmm. and it's it's just oh gosh it's strange to be it's 32 a- years i was Married to my husband a lifetime, it feels like, because longer than I was alive before we got married, we were married. So, so what, what, at what point did you, you, in the book, you walk us through the various stages, uh, you know, of depression, of anger, et cetera. Mm-hmm. At, at what point did you take your own pulse and say, okay, we're getting up, we are we are going to find purpose in this pain? Oh, let's see. I think, okay. So some of my grief, I would say, happened before my husband passed. So some of it happened when we got this decision, when we, you know, we would go and you would hear some of these, the reports and you say, you know, Mm -hmm. that's when Mm -hmm. my bargaining, okay, God, take this, you know, just take this away. This is like a bad dream. I don't want, I don't don't want it. So I say some of it happened before then, but the rest, I think, on the other side was once my husband passed, yes, of course, there was depression. There was sadness. There was there were days I didn't want to get up out the bed. I didn't want anything to eat. I didn't want to comb my hair. I don't want to talk to anybody. There were those days. Um, there were the days that I'm, God, why me? You know, why this? Why now? Um but at some point, I think I began, I, well, I heard a song that really kind of started to, to kind of do it for me. Um, I'm a music person, so music ministers. So, of course, they're the old songs that you know, God is faithful, great is thy faithfulness, you know, amazing, great. You know, you have all of those. But then I heard a song, and I'd never heard it before. I was driving, I don't even know where I was going, but I had Pandora was on, and the song came on. He turns graves into gardens. And I don't know if you know wow. the song, but there is a mm. song that it's by, I want to say it's Elevation Church, I believe. But the whole song is talking about what God can do and how he can turn the grave into the garden. And for me, there was a picture that just drew a picture for me that you have to leave this gray, dark place. And you have to move into the garden. And the grave to me, the garden, the flowers are cut. And in the garden, the flowers are growing from the ground mm. and blossoming. Mm. 
Um, and so that was kind of like the beginning for me. I've always been about purpose, always been about being intentional and living on purpose and self-care. That's always kind of been my, my life mantra, so to speak. I'm the glass half full girl, you know, get on everybody's nerves. You tell me the sad thing. I'm telling you what's the, what's the good side about that or how God's going to bring you through it. So that's always kind of been me, but in this situation, it needed a little bit of push. It needed some push. And um, I just had to start to do the things I would tell other people to do. What would you tell someone? You know, you got to get up. You got to do the right thing. You know, I don't feel like getting up, taking a shower, but you got to get up and take a shower. You got to change. You got to put on clean clothes. You got to, you know, get your hair done. Get you do those things that that are the normal things that make you feel well. You have to eat. You can't eat junk food. Listen, for about six months, we were ordering all kinds of stuff. That was, you know, I can't have pizza every day and hot wings. Right. Can't do that every day, <laughs> you know. Can't go to the soul food restaurant every day, you know. And so after maybe about six months, started to just sort of say, okay, this is not taking me to where I need to be. I need to be doing some other things. And, and just making myself get up, answering the calls when the friends called. You know, I have one friend that would just come over and like, well, I I didn't call you. Why are you here? You know, I could I could just tell you needed a brownie, and she would just come and she would sit, and you know, and of course when she would come, I would feel like okay, I got to get up now. I got to put some clothes on. I have to, you know, and yeah. you know, I started to just say yes, yes to the invitations, um, you know, and I would say yes, and sometimes I'd say maybe I'll be there. I don't know, but I wouldn't say no off the bat right away, know. right. And, you know, that's, you, you, you yeah. raise an important point uh, there as well. Uh, oftentimes, people who are not caregivers or not going through that particular stage or chapter ask, how can they be of help? How can they be a friend? Yeah. And you, you mentioned that in your book that you have to be able to accept that love and compassion shown yeah. towards you you have to let others in and I, I thought that that was an important point as well yeah it, it you know it's very important yeah. because you know people say oh it's just me it's just me but it's not people do call people do try and but if you keep saying no they're going to stop and then you're like, well, where is everybody? You know, so <laughs> I have, I have different friends. And there were one, there were a few occasions that I think people didn't quite know. People don't always know, I guess, how to entertain you when you, you know you're grieving. Like they don't know whether they can yeah. happy, can they smile, can they talk about your loved one, can they? You know, they don't know. And so it, instead of, I think sometimes instead of having you come and being uncomfortable, they just say, well. We're just not going to invite her this time. Or we're just not going to, we're not going to, well, we're going to invite her. We're not going to mention Daryl. My husband's name was Daryl. We're not going to mention mm -hmm. Daryl. Well, that's not normal either because he was a part, he was such a part of my life. Um, mm -hmm. And we were, um, the funny thing about my husband, he's very quiet. My husband was really quiet. Uh, we would say he's like EF and if he starts to talk, we're all going to stop and just hear, well, what's he talking about? Because he, you know, <laughs> he's very quiet. But, mm -hmm. 
what what I find is people would say, you know what Dar would say if he were here, you know, and he would. He would say things that would have you laughing and people are looking at you like, why are you laughing? <laughs> because he said something that they didn't hear. You know, he was had quite a sense of humor, even though he was quiet guy. So once I think people were more comfortable, I love it when, like, I went to an event, went to a gathering that I always go to. We would do a Christmas party with a group of couples from different churches, actually. We're all at different churches now, but we all started out kind of in the same grouping, got married around the same time, you know. Our kids are all about the same age. So we go to this event. And um, and first of all, I was wondering, oh, God, am I even going to get invited to this event? Because it's mostly it's all couples. And so we go. And and the, the wonderful thing about it was as we began to pray for the meal, they just were grateful. They prayed. They were glad that I was there. And they prayed for prayed for my family. And they said, you know, Lord, we're all missing Daryl here at this event because he's always been here. Uh, but we know he, you know. And so starting with that made the whole, the, the rest of the evening was just easy, easy because they kind of got that, you know, the, 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 the acknowledgement, the prayer. She mm -hmm. acknowledged, we dealt with it and we said our prayer and we ate our lovely meal. Um, mm -hmm. That was, it was healthy for me. And it was good, I think, I'm sure, healthy for the group as well, that we could acknowledge because the, the year before we were there and they prayed for Daryl, you know, for healing. That was December. Daryl passed. As a matter of fact, today is the day. Need geriatric caregiver certification? Sign up at impactfulcaregiving.com. Yes, I, I found that to be so amazing years. that today is the anniversary and of his passing. Yes, two years. It's, it's amazing. Trans, let me tell you, I'll be transparent. I've been pretty good. This year was a little more challenging. Um, the weekend, last weekend, I was like, okay, I don't really feel like going anywhere today. I don't, you know, and I kind of chilled and I stayed at home. But um, but today is the anniversary. It's been two years. Two years yes, today. when I was preparing for uh, this podcast interview, I thought, how honored am I to be able to sit with you on today to yeah. to remember and honor that special time yeah. in your life? So I, I really appreciate that as well. Thank um, you. Wh who who is Paula today? Okay, so Paula today is, I think I feel a little like I'm Paula 2.0, because I always did like to go and travel and do, but it, I usually would like to go and travel and do and support other people. And, you know, folks would say, well, you need to write a book or, well, you need to be talking and I'm, I, they're talking, that's fine. Um, and I find myself as invitations are coming it's like, oh, okay. So I guess, Lord, this is what this next, this next station, this next part of my life is going to involve more, more of this kind of thing, sharing with other people um, what my experiences have been and where the strengths come from. How do you keep moving? How do you, because I do believe you have to be intentional. Um, so I guess new Paula or, or Paula in this next phase, just realizing, okay, first of all, I am, 
uh, in my mind still, you know, it's like, people say, well, are you married? No, but you know, like, how do you, I'm not really single. I'm not, I don't see myself as that single, single person either. So it's just kind of a weird, weird, I'm a mother of adult children. So no, they can't come everywhere with me and they're not free when I have things to do all the time. So I have new circles. I'm meeting new, new people. You're one of them. Um, finding new circles and finding people who are knowing me apart from me as the elder's wife, me as the mother of my children, me as, so, you know, I'm meeting people who don't even know I have children. So I get to be me, you know, me, my boho, my soho boho self. I, I tend to, you see, I'm a, I like, this is, this is the way it is. The hair, you know, I wear my hair very natural. Um, I like jeans. I like psychedelic colors, neon colors. My daughter will say, are you really wearing that? And some days I change. Some days it's like, yeah, this is what I'm wearing. Uh, you know, I like, you know, I, I'm just a little free in me. And um, uh, well, our audience can't see you, but they Paula is a beautiful me. woman. She's a beautiful oh. woman. So of course, you know, I'm going to ask, is Paula's heart open? Like, what do you say to you know, widows or, you know, even women that yeah. are caregiving that say, you know what, maybe, maybe my heart's open to yeah. dating again and embracing yeah. again. Maybe, <laughs> I think maybe, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> I like to go yes. out. I do like She's that. Beautiful. I like to travel. Um, I like music. Yeah, I'm going to a concert, you know, so I call other people. I say, I want to go to this concert. You want to come? So I'm going to see uh, Elevation Worship is in town this weekend. So I am going to nice. buy tickets nice. to that. Um, and I have a couple of friends who aren't single, but they have spouses. I have one friend whose husband is uh, paraplegic. So they don't, he doesn't go out a whole lot. So she can come out with me sometimes. And I have another friend that, you know, so I have, a, I have different people that I go to, my go-tos. But then nice. I also, like you say, there are those people that I know that, that are hitting me up. Like, you want to go out to dinner? I don't know if I really want to go out to dinner right yet. Right now, I don't know if I really want to go out to dinner with you. Only if we can go out to dinner now know about the rest you know dinner's good right uh, right dinner's good but um i think that there will be a day that the heart will be open that's you know, beautiful a little more open than it is right now but beautiful. um yeah yeah because you know what do you I think, don't, what do you think your husband would say to you today if he I read your think, book saw all that you were doing i think he would say because some of the things i'm doing are things i talked about but i Maybe it was back burner. Like I always, I wrote a book that was in my computer that that was the book I was going to finish when I, I did a book challenge. And that was the book I was planning to finish. So I've always talked about writing. I've always taught and been, how do I say it? I've talked, but I've always talked uh, from other people's information. So I've taught classes, I've done Bible studies, I've done those things. But to actually write something and talk about what I wrote that's a new experience for me. My husband, while he was quiet, he would always say, well, go on, you go. And I'll be here when you come back. You know, he would say that. And then towards the last maybe 10 years, he would surprise me and he would say, well, I'm coming. Uh oh, you're coming. You mean you're not going to watch Bonanza today? You're not going to chill at home? Because he was the person that, you know, that quote that says, 
uh, there's a joy in enjoying your space, your home, your this, your yes. that. <laughs> Saturday was, you know, if he could chill at home and just put her in the yard, fix his car, do, you know, this is why my daughter does all this stuff. She knows what to do in the pool. She knows what to do. She knows how to change the tire. But my sons know how to build the computer because those were the things he did and enjoyed doing. And I was always like, Saturday morning, what are we doing? And he would say, I didn't get there yet. I said, well, I'm leaving. I'm going to the mall. I'm going to this. Or, you know, I'm kind of the girl that if I don't have something, you know, I, I have a calendar. And at least twice out of that month, I got something. What's going on in the city this week? What's going on, you know? And so he would be, well, we'll be here when you get back. <laughs> you know, we'll be, we'll see you when you get back, you know? And so, like I said, though, in the last 10 years, I would be saying, oh, so-and-so's having something. And I'd be expecting him to say, well, I'll see you when you get back. He said, well, I'm coming. Give me a couple minutes. I'm coming. So, yeah, I think he would say, go for it. I think he would say, go for it. Well, you are definitely blooming in your garden. You are blooming in your garden. And you are setting an example for, you know, those of us, honestly, who might be going through a, a different transition, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Paula has written from her place, but she also, this book, it speaks to many different transitions in life and pain points that uh, people uh, go through and just kind of challenging us to say, you know what, there is there is a new place for you. There is still yes. purpose in your pain and things for you to do. So I I just applaud you for what you're doing. Uh, tell us about how we find you. How- okay, so you can find me on my at my website. It's www.livingonpurpose. That's L I V I N O N dot com, And there you can find my book. You'll be able to contact me via email and I will call you back. We will, uh, and you can have, you know, whatever you, it is you're interested in. If it's one-on-one coaching where I can help you walk through your process, um, I offer that. If it's coming to your event or sharing with your group, I can do that as well. And if you just want to purchase my book, you can certainly do that there as well. Um, as I shared with Dr. Kipley, I have a workbook coming out because people have called who are, just like she said, dealing with other transitions or realizing that they don't have things in place for maybe their children who may need care if something were to happen to them. So the new book is going to be more practical. It's going to have more of the steps that you need to take to put your affairs in order. So again, www.livingonpurpose.com and my name is Paula Kennedy Anderson Great information right from the source For more information on how to caregive like a boss check out impactfulcaregiving.com Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at carepod at impactfulcaregiving.com